630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The Edmonton Oilers on the brink of elimination. We have it for you tomorrow. Game 4 against the Chicago Blackhawks. 2 o'clock for the face-off show. They'll drop the puck at 4.45. The Oilers must win to force a fifth and deciding game on Friday. We have much to discuss. In the second period at Rogers Place right now, round-robin game, Golden Knights and Blues are tied 2-2 with eight minutes left in the second period. Maple Leafs and Blue Jackets are about to get started. Their best of five is tied 1-1. Flames and Jets coming up later here in Edmonton. Vancouver up two games to one on the Wild. They win today 3-0. And in a round-robin game, the Flyers go to 2-0 with a 3-1 victory over the Capitals. So the Capitals are 0-1-1. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and EE Radio 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Plenty of time for you to get in touch tonight. 780-496-0063 is the number to both call and text. Get me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins. The email, inside sports at 630ched.com. And you've had about uh, 19 or 18 hours to digest the Oilers' loss last night and to look ahead to Game 4 and some very important decisions to be made by Oilers head coach and his staff to deploy the players and have the game plan that they need to beat the Chicago Blackhawks, or at least have the players uh, commit to that game plan. Tyler Ennis is out indefinitely. You saw the injury last night on the hit by Kirby Dock. Did not look good. Had to be helped off the ice. So he's out indefinitely. We'll see about Adam Larson. Tippett spoke uh, around uh, 12.45, 1-ish today, and the Oilers had not yet practiced. So uh, the word was going to be that they would uh, they would see how he was going to be at practice. And uh, I'm sure they'd love to have Adam Larson back for that game. So up front, no Tyler Ennis. Andreas Athanasiu moved up to play with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto. He was there, of course, at the start of the July training camp. What are they going to do? I tell you, the season's on the line. I think you got to go with your best. I, I, I don't think you can wade into this game and say, well, we'll see what happens with the line combinations as we go in and maybe make some adjustments. Now, of course, you may have to adjust as you go, but I think you have to fly into this game with the line that was awesome for the last two and a half months for the season. Give Leon Dreisaitl the wingers that help propel him into the scoring lead and probably the Hart Trophy winner. And I think you have to put Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto back together. That I, I mean, unless he, the, he really goes with the option that the Oilers were using for the previous three and a half seasons, and it, they, you put McDavid and Dreisaitl back on the same line, and, and maybe that's going to come out of the bag of tricks at some point. But in my mind, you put that line together, and you say this is the best combination we had this season. They were the best forechecking line. They were the best production line, five on five. And I think you got to roll with them. Now, does that isolate McDavid a little bit again? Sure, it does. James Neal has looked fine in this series. He has the playoff experience. I think he's trying to play a rugged game. I know he's not fleet of foot. I'd put him on McDavid's left side, and I'd put Zach Cassian up there. He had limited minutes last night because of all the special teams. I think he needs to play a little more. And I would put McDavid between Neal and Cassian. And you tell Cassian to skate and to hit and to free up pucks. And you tell Neal to go to the net and you let McDavid do his thing. Shane and Athens, Steve and Archibald, hopefully can get out there and grind as a third line and uh, 
I, I think if you put Haas, Kara, and Chase on together, you have two centers there to help take face-offs, and you hope that they can get out there and grind as well. That's what I would do. I, I think it's time to put that big line back together. You cannot wait around. You can you cannot wait around, and I'm sure McDavid has loved playing with Nugent Hopkins, um, but with Ennis out of the lineup, I, I think, again, you have to say this is our best. I mean, here's the thing. If... <laughs> When the San Francisco 49ers in their heyday needed a drive to win a game, you knew of Montana was throwing quite a few passes to Jerry Rice. Maybe not all of them, but you got to use your best guys in the best situation. 780-496-0063. Randy already calling in and ready to go. Go ahead, Randy. I wish our followers all the best. I hope they have the best game of the season tomorrow. But more importantly, I hope Montreal wins that series so bad. I'm really proud of them. They're doing the best they can. They're having a great, great playoff run here. And if you, well, sorry, if you, go ahead. If you wouldn't mind, ask Mr. Brian Wild if he remembers his choc- uh, banana chocolate fudge milkshake on White Avenue. <laughs> Okay. He'll remember it. Have a good night. Okay. Thanks, Randy. Randy at 780-496-0063. The, the Canadians are, uh, are a heck of a story. And, uh, I mean, you could have both number 12 seeds move on against the number fives. I, it's certainly more surprising to me. I mean, I really didn't think there was a chance the Canadians would win that series. I picked the Oilers to win. I, I felt that they were the better team if they went out and executed. Um, but certainly I could see a scenario with Chicago winning. Uh, I didn't really see a scenario with Montreal winning unless Carey Price was uh, like had a 995 save percentage, but they've been great. And Jeff Petrie has been great. Mo says, Hey Reed, if the Oilers win tomorrow, does anyone know what time game five will be? Uh, I haven't seen anything along those lines. Just checking. It, w- it would probably be 445 or 830. I don't think they'd make them play uh, the middle game on uh on uh, Friday and then the early game on Saturday. So I, I'm, I'm guessing it would be the afternoon or the evening game. Mo also says, and yes, reunite the Leon Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins line. Connor will do his thing with whoever. If Cassian actually shows up, he can swing this series big time. Yeah, we haven't seen the best Zach Cassian in this series. Again, I think last night somewhat limited with, with all the penalties. And, and that's another thing the Oilers have to do. Look, certainly some debatable calls last night, uh, a completely phantom call on Athanasiu. But, I mean, the other penalties, the Oilers are doing things that the refs have no choice but to call. Archibald getting his stick up. Archibald hitting Kubalik when the puck is nowhere near him. Yamamoto took a couple penalties in the offensive zone that, that I thought were penalties. So definitely they got to stay out of the box. And, and I, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I would put the big line back together. Let, let Nugent Hopkins, Leon and Yamamoto play together, dog pucks, free up pucks, get it to the net and, and make Chicago deal with it. Now I know maybe that makes it easier quote unquote to deal with McDavid's line, but as Mo says, McDavid can still kind of do his thing and, and create. And we know that Neil can finish and Cassian has shown he can finish to some extent too. So that, that's what I would do for the top six. In net. Oh, are, are we at the situation with, with the Oilers where the old saying now applies? If, if, if you don't have, or if you have two goalies, then you don't have any goalies. I mean, if there's not an obvious starter, then are you really in that good of a situation? We were hoping before the series that at least one of the two guys would be playing well enough that you could ride him but now you're behind and now you can't lose. And now a, a deflating goal or two 
ends your season. Smith made some good saves in game one. Um, he needed to make more. Unfortunately, Dave Tippett said that game was not on the goaltenders. It was on the guys in front of the goaltenders. Having said that, he came back and Miko Koskinen for game two. You know, he let in three, but I thought he had a good game, made the saves he needed to, and the Oilers won. Last night, it's, and I'm going to ask Kelly Rudy about this later on on the show because he'll know, he knows the goaltending position better than I do. I didn't think Koskinen looked as steady as he did in game two. I, I thought he was losing the net. I, I thought he was scrambling to get back in a position. Yes, the Hawks scored a couple of goals that you could say were bad breaks, bad bounces, whatever. But I think they they missed some opportunities on some bad breaks. I mean, Taves hit a post. Taves, that one play in the first period, it looked like he inadvertently blocked a shot from his own player that was going in when, when Koskinen was out. And I and I get I talked about this on overtime open line last night. The five on three, Koskinen's on his left post. The puck is centered. The Oilers deflect the pass, break up the play. Jonathan Taves is coming to the net. He's getting checked by Leon. The puck hits his leg, and it starts dribbling towards the net. And Koskinen is diving back with his blocker hand to try to stop the puck. That was not a quick moving play. Why had he lost the net so poorly on a play that was really isolated, uh, very close to the crease? So I don't know. Brad says, Reed, I think Koskinen has been much better than Smith. I don't think he had much of a chance on all those redirections last night. And that's fair. And that's totally fair. I I just thought he he looked like he was swimming around a little bit. and, And quite frankly, you talk about breaks with maybe a little better break. The Hawks could have had a couple more and maybe they're leading in the third period. Um, something tells me that they're going to go to Smith, guys. I, I We've seen how Tippett has handled it before. I also know that I've been wrong a lot trying to predict the goaltenders throughout the season. Uh, I wonder if if uh, Tippett goes to Smith and tells Smith if this is your last kick at the cat and wind up and take a good boot at it. I think with Smith, his higher end is probably higher than Koskinen and his lower end is lower. And maybe Smith plays tomorrow and it's either a 40-safe shutout or the Oilers lose 8-3 and it's over halfway through the second period. But I, I just have a feeling that's the way he's going to go. 780-496-0063. Way to call a quick timeout. It's Inside Sports on 630, Chet. into the first period it is the Leafs and the Blue Jackets scoreless we'll keep you updated on that one that's game three of their best of five which is tied 1-1-780-496-0063 is the number to call or text this individual says it doesn't matter which goaltender starts have to prevent the Hawks getting shots play in the Hawks end and hammer them every chance so many missed checks yeah they did it in game two they weren't able to do it as much yesterday now of course Chicago is doing everything in their power to to stop that they know what the game plan is for the Oilers but the Hawks have been good at getting shots through from the point Uh, you know I I think we can talk about bad bounces on goals three and four but on that third goal you'd like it to be cleared up the wall 
lost faceoff leading to the fourth goal. Tippett said today at his availability, the shot kind of coming in from a sharp angle and maybe that uh, prevented Cassian from getting in the lane. But he also said Taves, the centerman, was uh, was lost off the draw and, and went to the net and, and Bear was kind of stuffed uh, stuck in a tough position and wound up tipping it into his own goal. So there are some details here that the Oilers can clean up. You can talk about breaks and bounces, but generally the team that manages the details better winds up getting those breaks and bounces in the end. And that helped for Chicago last night. Uh, Levi from the fort. Now, I don't know if Levi is in Fort Saskatchewan or if he has perhaps constructed a cushion fort in his living room. And that's where he listens to inside sports. I could see the listenership to this show doing that. Levi, you have to tell me, Fort Saskatchewan or a cushion fort? He says another 14 penalties this afternoon between the Knucks and the Wild. Are the players just that poor with their sticks right now? Or is it the refs making too many calls? It really messes with the flow of the game, I find. Rob and I talked about that last night on the show. It seems to me there are more penalties than there would be in a regular NHL postseason. I, I, I mean, I don't know if that's the influence of not having fans, if the refs have been told to enforce everything, um, if the players have maybe come back a little bit sloppy. In my mind, there were two completely blown calls last night. Athanaseo hooking on Kane. Nothing happened there. The extra minor to Debrinkat with Benning. I, they went at each other. They, you know, went at each other's heads for the, for the face wash. Uh, Debrinkat got the extra penalty. And then I thought the Russell holding penalty was pretty marginal. I mean, I know he had his hand off his stick, but I I thought in hockey, you were still allowed to push a guy. And I I thought he was pushing him more than holding him. So maybe, maybe some of the refs are a little bit rusty too. 780-496-0063. Hey, we got a contest I got to tell you guys about first here. This is pretty cool. We have a jersey a day giveaway, a 630 Chad Kids jersey a day giveaway. It is presented by Mr. Mike's Steakhouse Casual, proud to be the official restaurant sponsor of Inside Sports. And for the next uh, few shows, we're going to give you a chance to win your kid an Oilers jersey from United Cycle. Now, obviously, you have to listen to the show because we're going to be giving a code word. Once you have the daily code word, you go to the contest page on 630ched.com and enter it in. And today's code word, well, it's actually a code name, is Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid, the code word. So this is the uh, 630 Ched Kids Jersey a Day giveaway presented by Mr. Mike's Steakhouse Casual. So keep listening to subsequent edition of Inside Sports, and we'll have other code words for you to enter on the contest page on 630ched.com. That is pretty cool. Good, uh, good stuff there for Mr. Mike's and United Cycle. All right, so team defense, uh, a discussion point for the Oilers. Is it good enough? Here's what Dave Tippett had to say today. Kellen, do we have tips? Last two games, we haven't given up a ton of chances. We had some, you look at the four goals we gave up last night. Three of them are deflections. The first goal uh, hits Rusty in the back of the leg. The second goal, Taves doesn't even know he scores. It hits him in the leg. And the other one is a deflection. Now the third, the fourth one's a deflection that we put in. So it's not as if we're giving up a ton of chances. They're going in our net and we just, we have to find a way to, overcome some of those mistakes that are allowing that and uh, and find a way to keep them off the board and get us more. But our uh, you look at the last two games, the, the chances we're giving up are not, uh, not a lot. The chances that I'd like to take out of our game are the ones that were taking too many penalties to give them. 
All right, so there's Dave Tippett, not overly concerned with the defensive play from the last two games. He referenced some details to uh, to clean up. Well, they got to be cleaned up or the season's over. Uh, Marco texting in, he says, Corey Crawford has an 859 save percentage. The Oilers need to get one or two more shots per period and they'll win the series. Well, interesting way to look at it by Marco. Crawford has made some good saves, but on the whole, he has not been not been great. I, I think the Oilers can do more offensively, but I, I, it's still preventing goals that has been a larger issue in this series. Yellowhead Drinker, haven't heard from him for a while, says Adam Larson in or out is huge for the next two games. Tippett won't play Jones and Benning more than sparse minutes, and I thought being exposed to the extra minutes really hurt the top four guys last night. Russell was good, but Nurse showed mental fatigue in the third. That is from Yellowhead Drinker. I'm still surprised they don't use Benning a little bit more. Only plays about 10 minutes a game. I, I mean, third pairing, what's 13-14? I think he's still a pretty efficient player. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. More time for your feedback. Also, Kelly Rudy in the next half hour of the show. Calgary Flames will try to advance tonight, 8.30 at Rogers Place. They have a 2-1 series lead over the Winnipeg Jets. Six minutes left in the first period in Toronto. Maple Leafs and Blue Jackets are scoreless. That series is tied one, uh, tied 1-1. After two, St. Louis now up 4-3 on the Golden Knights, even though Vegas has a 27-13 edge in shots on goal. St. Albert's Colton Pareko has two goals for the Blues. They broke out for uh, three in the second period. Canucks beat the Wild 3-0. They're up two games to one in that series. Flyers beat the Capitals 3-1. They're 2-0 in the round robin. Capitals are 0-1-1. The first of three golf majors this year is underway. There's not going to be a British Open. PGA Championship started today. Jason Day has the lead at five under par. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Ten golfers one shot off the lead, including Paul Casey, who is still on the course. He has six holes left to go, so we'll see if he moves up or down. Zach Johnson is one shot off the lead. Martin Keimer back on the leaderboard. Justin Rose is there. And uh, Brooks Kepka, who, of course, uh, won the PGA last year, is uh, one of the guys tied for second. And baseball tonight, the Blue Jays in Atlanta, top of the sixth, Atlanta leading at 3-1. Some texts here to 780-496-0063. Big Rig Al says, I thought Russ was the best D-man last night. Good on him. Pretty good game by Chris Russell. This texture says, Benning should get more time. He's always been underrated. His shot is more accurate too. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't use Benning a little bit more. Dean says... Two things, Cassian up on the first line. He'll bring his playoff A game and create space for McDavid, not to mention showcase his hidden skill. Second, tighten up the defensive zone coverage, and the Oilers will have it beat. I do think they got to get tighter. You talk about collapsing down below the hash marks. Five guys down low, protect the slot, and that limits the shots getting through. It's going to mean less open Mm -hmm. chances for the Hawks in front around the net. More pucks get cleared. I I think that's one thing the Oilers can still do a little better. And I know Cassian um, has had a quiet series. I, I think some of that is on Cassian. I think some of that is on the game flow with with all the penalties. And I, I would put him on. I'd put him on McDavid's right wing with James Neal on the other side, and just tell him to go out there and and be a wrecking ball. This texture says uh, Taves has that look through you stare. Looks kind of crazy, a bit like Messier. 
<laughs> Who is the Oilers shutdown guy? No Tekken and like shadows or annoying pests that I see. Uh, well, yeah, the Oilers wouldn't have anybody in that role. We have Fred on the line. Fred, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, Reed, how are you tonight? Good. I'm just a little bit horrified of the thought of tomorrow's game if they don't win. But uh haven't heard much Oilers news today. I've been busy. Uh, who's in for Ennis tomorrow? Hasn't said. Hasn't said. I, I think they're going to put Gaetan Haas in because he can play center. They can move Kara to the wing, and then also you have two centers on that line. And, and I mean, it's a desperate game, so I think there's going to be a lot of in-game adjusting, right? you got to go with who's having a good night. Uh, Hopkins back with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto? Don't know, but that's what I would do. That's what I do. We can't go to practice, right? So we didn't see the lines, but you need, you need your best effort tomorrow, and there was... That was arguably the best line in the NHL after January 1st. I'd put them together and tell Chicago, okay, you haven't seen our best. Here it is. Can you stop it? How about uh, is Adam Larson back tomorrow? Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> they hadn't When Tippett did his availability, they had not yet skated. Okay, I hope he's back because we definitely need him. And I agree, Benning should play a little bit more. Uh, well, I want to see a game five, bottom line. Yeah. So do we, Fred. Thanks a lot for calling 780-496-0063. Uh, Cowtown Bob says if the Oilers lose their next game does that mean they would miss the playoffs again no these are playoffs these are playoffs the regular season ended Elvis is on the line as well Elvis thanks for calling hey Reed listen I just I just want to say I think that they'll probably I'm just I'm thinking they'll go with Mike Smith tomorrow night and I think you're going to have a bunch of uh, the Oilers are like a wounded animal and those are dangerous and uh, I'm calling Game 5, and I'm calling the Oilers going to win in Game 5. Kind of stole my thunder a bit. I really, really hope that they put Nuge back because he, he, he like, on McDavid's line, he hasn't been as noticeable, even though he's got a bunch of points. That sounds ridiculous to even say that, but I just think they, they're more of a threat if he's on that line, Reed. Well, so do I. And again, Chicago has not seen the best the Oilers have to offer. And and that is that line together. And the other thing, Fred, that could happen tomorrow, five on five, is McDavid, Dreisaitl, and somebody else. Do you, are you not going to try to work that in maybe after an icing or after a TV timeout or before a TV timeout? That's another thing to remember, that that's still a combination that Dave Tippett went away from and we understand why they went away from it but this is desperate times tomorrow so i i would expect whoever comes in for ennis probably doesn't play a lot maybe kara doesn't play a lot either and and maybe you're rotating through different combinations i mean you have to have your best guys out there tomorrow even if they wind up playing 25 minutes because if you lose there's nothing to rest for yeah you go home and that's it so who do you think they'll start tomorrow reed I'm predicting Smith, but I've often been wrong. Yeah, I'm predicting Smith, too. You've got nothing to lose. And if you look at the goal percentage uh, for both teams, not one of them are hitting it out of the park. Two great offenses, though, but not one of those goalies has has uh, uh, actually come close to stealing. Like, we, we needed a couple of stops last night, and we go all over that. But you could say the same thing for, for Chicago. Well, it's like uh, I had a texture right in early uh, earlier. Marco or Marco wrote in Crawford's save percentage is eight fifty nine. If you would have told me that Crawford's save percentage in the first three games was eight fifty nine, I would have said it was an Oilers sweep and maybe one game was close. Yeah. So well, <laughs> when I looked at it, Reed, Oilers are our goaltending is in last place out of the twenty four teams in the tournament, 
and uh, uh, Crawford or uh, Chicago is uh, second worst. Well, in Chicago, you know, if, if you if you go by the advanced stats and some of the other analytics, Chicago gave up more high danger chances than anybody in the playoffs during the regular season. Have the Oilers? Let me ask you this: Have the Oilers been busy enough around Chicago's net? I don't think they have. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And they they they, they need to co- they need to cause problems in there. They need and they're a bang and smash. And I love the idea of what you're saying about putting Neil and Cassian and tell Cassian, man, you giddy up, get out there and get going. He hasn't done nothing. Absolutely well, and he only nothing. played six and a half, and he only played six and a half minutes last night because he doesn't kill penalties anymore. Yeah. And now again, the the penalties are on the Oilers. Like I said, a couple calls you can argue both ways. I think the Hawks had reason to complain about a couple things. But, I mean, you can't. Now, Yamamoto, I know he's excited. He wants to make a play. He can't take penalties in the Ozone. Archibald, who I, I've always thought was an – I think he is an intelligent player. Like, he body-checked Kubalik. And I guess maybe he was trying to set a pick for McDavid, but you can't full-on body check a guy fifty feet away from the puck. I mean, they got to use their yeah. heads out there. No, they do. And you know what? Like, I mean, it'd be it'd be different if you're leading this, but when you're tied one-one, uh, and now you're chasing the series, you you got to be smart about it. And you got to pick your moments, and you got to hit people. Love yeah. it, Reed. I'm going to keep listening, my okay. friend. Okay, thanks, Elvis. Yeah, we got Kelly Rudy coming up in a few minutes. Uh, we'll bring him in after the break. It is now 2.20 left in the first period. Toronto and Columbus, no score in that game. Shots are 7-6 in uh, in favor of the Maple Leafs. Uh, Ian texting in to 780-496-0063 says, Reed, I was pretty upset after last night's game. Hard game to evaluate. Could have gone either way. I feel like the Oilers played just well enough to win by a goal, but it turned out they played just poorly enough to lose by a goal. Uh, I think if they forecheck harder tomorrow, they will force a game five. That is from Ian, 780-496-0063. Brent says, just wanted to say, I don't think this is the playoffs. Even though the regular season finished, still qualifying for round one to me is not the playoffs. Uh, not trying to be rude or anything. I just don't like the format they did when technically we finished fifth, but go Oilers go. That is from Brent. No, nothing rude there at all, Brent. I mean, that's, yeah, it's it's a strange time. The, the NHL, when was it, Kellen? Two and a half months ago? Time's kind of a blur. I think it was in late May they declared the regular season over. Mm-hmm. So these are considered playoff appearances and playoff stats even for the eight teams who are playing round robin games, strange circumstances. Uh, they've they've had to adjust, but it, it will count as 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 a playoff appearance. It, it's and here's another thing, Brent writing in. Whether you're the Oilers or another team, how how do you evaluate your lineup based on what happens in this postseason after a four and a half month break? I think with the Oilers, we know that there are five on five deficiencies, so that doesn't change too much for Ken Holland. But if a player plays really well or really poorly in this situation, I think you have to be careful not to let that dramatically swing your opinion of them since it is such a strange time. But, uh, no, I appreciate that, Brent. I, I, I get what you're saying, but just from a pure uh, factual statistical standpoint, the NHL is saying this is the postseason. Kelly Rudy, when we get back to Inside Sports. From one 
one goalie to another. He is back for his weekly appearances on Inside Sports, presented by Sentinel Storage, Shop Canadian, Store Canadian. Head to sentinel.ca, also a broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers. It is Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? Very, very well, Reed, and I'm super excited. The NHL relaunch and uh, the games qualifying round, and I'm really looking forward to, uh, down the road to the, uh, the real playoff games. Well, we're glad to have you back on for the, the postseason. We love having you on every week. We took a bit of a hiatus there for the last couple of months, so we'll have you on uh, every week here on Inside Sports until they award the Stanley Cup. Huge question right off the top, Kelly. I'm going to dive in. <laughs> did you have an Oilers 50-50 ticket last night? <laughs> I did not. What did it get to? I, I was watching it for a while, and, and I heard some numbers, but what was the final tally? Uh, 5.4, so the winner gets 2.7. Wow, isn't that spectacular? <laughs> and they're they they should have increased capacity for tomorrow about two and a half times, <laughs> so could get up to you know over ten million. It's going to be great. Well, did you participate? I did yesterday. Yep, I bought uh, I, I bought I think I got the sixty tickets for twenty bucks. I didn't do it the first two nights, but I mean, you go online and in three minutes you got your tickets emailed to you, so it's it's pretty convenient to buy for that really? for what you could win. Yeah. Well, then, I, I, you know, I have a night full of hockey tomorrow. I'm uh, not on the set tomorrow, but uh, I have three games that I want to watch. So I think that might be uh, something that I'm going to partake in then because uh, I'm not normally a guy that does – well, I'm not a gambler, and so I don't really participate in 50-50s all that often, but I think tomorrow I better. How do you like being in the home office? I've enjoyed uh, – I, I probably not listening to you as closely as I should because I like the memorabilia. you got an old mask and some photos. How's the setup? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's funny you brought that up because uh, Ron McLean and I were chatting when he first saw my office set up, and he kind of suggested to me that maybe it's a little too cluttered or don't change it very often because that is a problem that people sort of get focused on what's behind you and not listening to you. In fact, he reminded me when I first started, and well, of course, he started before me at the CBC for Hockey Night, but they didn't even allow you to wear lapel pins or anything because they didn't want anything to distract the, the viewer from what you were saying. So times have changed, of course, because everybody wears a lapel pin or it seems so anyways now in support of uh, whatever their their, uh, uh, their their cause is. But, you know, it, it is interesting. So I am going to change my background once in a while, but I'm not going to do it every single show, and I'm going to do it to add some more memorabilia, maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks, something like that, because it's kind of fun to show off. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. So, yeah, something. another reason to watch Kelly Rudy is if we needed it. <laughs> hey, by the way, Reed. That that Tigers mask, I wore yes. that for a season. Yes, I wore that for a season with the Tigers. And my brother Ken, he painted that. So it's really cool to show that off. And my brother, uh, he's actually, uh, he's quite the artist. And I'm really proud to say that uh, he was a big part of that. Well, and those masks truly look like they're from another age. I was looking oh, yeah. at that and thinking, how did that really even protect? In I mean, I know it was protection, right. so to speak, but relative to what they, they have. Oh, boy. Well, I'm glad the following year, my last year in junior, I went to a Jofa helmet with a cage. And, and the reason why I chose to uh, go from the, that old school molded mask to a cage was because of my childhood idol, Bernie Perrant. Uh, his career was lost because he got a errant stick in the eye. And so uh, I thought, you know what? I don't know what level I'm going to ever get to, but I, I certainly don't need that injury. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, the Oilers are down two games to one. 
certainly going into the playoffs, we wondered how their goaltending was going to stand up. Smith got pulled in game one. Koskinen got the win in game two. Uh, yesterday, a couple of late goals. I, I thought, I don't know, Kelly, you know the position so much more better technically than I do, but I, I thought Koskinen, I use the term swimming a little bit, and mm-hmm. you know there were some chances the Hawks had where he was kind of scrambling to get back into the net. Even on that dribbler, Taves got I I mean I thought the Oilers had broken up the play late in the first period and then it really wasn't moving that quickly when it went off Taves's leg and he still wasn't wasn't back in time what are you seeing there yeah Reed I would agree with you I he just didn't look quite as sharp like his crease movements weren't quite as sharp and not not as fluid as when he's really on um I'm seeing other goalies the same way I mean uh I'm a huge huge fan of uh, Corey Crawford but uh, I don't think he's still playing as well as he had when I saw him uh, it, during the season. Now, granted, of course, they had significant time off, so it's hard to uh, expect a guy. And then when he, uh, when camp broke, and he, of course, missed some time with uh, his uh, illness. And so, you know, I see a couple of the goalies that uh, are really sort of trying to find their rhythm. I thought uh, the same with uh, Markstrom in Vancouver for, for game two. He looked a lot better today, but... So I, I think that you're bang on. I wonder um, I wonder if nerves are a little bit of it because they're playing. The Oilers should be able to, you know, you would think on paper, easily defeat the Blackhawks. Now they're in a dogfight, and you wonder if uh, that sort of pressure is uh, mounting on Koskinen and some of the other players as well because I, personally I just don't think the Oilers are playing uh, nearly as offensive as they need to. Uh, Chicago, uh, we know from the numbers that they've given up uh, the most quality scoring chances from the slot uh, the entire season. So I think that they need to challenge the Hawks' defense and their their goal, even though, like I said, I, you know, I have to admit, Corey Crawford, I wasn't sure what to expect this year. I, I didn't know if his career was in decline, and I'm happy to say that it's not. Like, he's, a, he's still a world-class goalie, and, and he proved that this season. One thing that's kind of become a theme for me in this series is Chicago scoring from the point. Kubelik and Saad had really nice deflections in game one, and then there have been just shots at the net. A couple have gone in off Chris Russell, Ethan Bear last night for the game winner right late in the third period. Is, is there something there with these point shots not just getting through and going in? Kelly, what do you make of that? Well, it's a league-wide uh way of attacking whether it's an issue or not uh, I don't know if I frame that properly but every team if you're watching every team's trying to do it and the how they're trying to do it is that they uh, they get the puck down low they sort of get the uh, defenders to collapse and of course it's not a priority and hasn't been for years to cover the points and so they quickly get it back to the point and before the defense can kind of get set up they just basically loft the puck some of the shots aren't even hard I mean I did a game between the uh, uh, Winnipeg and the Flames and Winnipeg scored two of their goals from point shots very similar to what we were talking about last night and one of the shots I believe was 67 miles an hour and one was 71 miles an hour so it's not you know the the idea you just sort of get all your weight behind it and rip it at the net it's just as quickly as you can find a lane and uh, or an opening and just sort of loft it to the net and hope when your teammates is in front uh, in good position with the stick available and you know, it's a very effective way to generate scoring opportunities and it's very difficult to defend because if it's done quick enough, uh, it, it creates some confusion amongst the defenders. 
All right, so Oilers obviously have to win tomorrow, and then they'd have to win Saturday as well, but one game at a time is, is going to be their approach. They can't get to Friday unless they win tomorrow. What, what do you hope to see, or what do you hope they establish in the first 10 minutes that it's at least going to make you think, okay, they're, they're right in this one? Because they actually didn't start yesterday's game very well, uh, no. even though they wound up leading going to the third. I would agree. I just think that it's put more pressure on the Blackhawks, as I said. I, I just think that this is the Blackhawks, uh, they were under siege all season long, and I don't think the Oilers have done that to, to them in this playoff series. They've allowed the Blackhawks uh, to play with the puck too often, and uh, their weakness really is without the puck. So, so take it to the net as hard as you can. Really, really put a lot of pressure on Crawford because I don't think they have yet. And uh, and just play, don't think, because I'm wondering also if uh, that's sort of a problem. They're like, well, we should easily be able to beat the Chicago Blackhawks, and here they find themselves down. Yeah. All right, Kelly, enjoy the games. Uh, it's It's been fun watching everything, a lot of action going on. Great to have you on again during the playoffs, so we'll connect next week. Uh, we'll see what the schedule is like. Thank you so much, buddy. Have a great night. Okay, thanks, Reed. Take care, bud. Kelly Rudy every week, courtesy Sentinel Storage here on Inside Sports. U of A hockey, they will have a season. Well, probably. We have the update with head coach Ian Herbers when we get back. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.